Welcome to the listener's commentary on the New Testament. Your guide is pastor and theologian Dr. John Whitaker, and the heart behind these studies is to help you better understand the text of Scripture so you can more fully live it out. It's all about helping you learn and live the Bible. Here is the Book of Romans. Hey, welcome to the listener's commentary on the letter to the Romans. This is one of the most significant letters in the entire New Testament. It has been a letter that has shaped the church, shaped church history, shaped key church leaders since the very beginning of Christian history. So as we enter into the study of the letter to the Romans, just know that you're preparing for a significant deep dive into theology, into Paul's teaching, into really New Testament study. So this is a major venture. We are going to tackle it just one chunk at a time and walk our way through the details of this letter, beginning in this recording with a study of the backstory to the letter and how we should approach, therefore, this letter. And when we talk about backstory, what we're talking about really is the situation that lies behind the letter. And that's really important for us to just bear in mind that especially when it comes to letters, New Testament letters such as Romans, these documents were not originally written to us, even though as God's word they have a message and a lesson for us. And so as we read these letters, they're situational, which means they're motivated by the situation of the original recipients, the situation of the author, their relationship between them, And so in order to understand them well, we need to make sure that we understand that situation as best as we can. Sometimes we don't have a whole lot of details. Sometimes we have a whole lot more. And for the sake of Romans, we have a pretty good understanding of the situation behind the letter. In fact, if you read through the letter to the Romans, particularly the first chapter And then the latter couple of chapters, chapters 15 and 16, you can begin to at least get uh, an understanding of the circumstances for the Apostle Paul. What motivated him to write the letter? What's uh, what's the nature of the church at Rome like? What's the relationship between the two? What is he expecting of the church? What does he have a long-standing relationship with his church? Why is he writing at this time? Those kinds of questions all make up the idea of the situation behind the letter. And sometimes what we have to do, more often than not, what we really have to do is just read through the letter and listen closely to what the writer of the letter is saying. And that begins to tip us off to what's going on in the church and what the author is expecting of them. It's very much like, say, you're sitting in Uh, the family room at your house when your roommate, your spouse, your close friend gets a phone call and they pick up the phone and they start talking on the phone. And as you're listening to them talk, you're trying to figure out who who's on the other end. Who are they talking to? What's going on? Why are they calling? And you get some sense from listening to your friend's side of the conversation, your roommate's side of the conversation, what uh, is going on 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 the other side of the conversation, right? Well, with the New Testament letters, it's very much like that. And so as we read through Romans in this case, we want to listen very closely and, and begin to get a sense of, oh, I see what's being dealt with. Oh, I understand what's going on. And so in this recording, we want to try to clarify some of that for you so that as you work your way through the letter, 
you already have maybe a little bit of a lens to look at so you understand the backstory to the letter, the situation that motivated. Obviously, um, this letter claims to be written by the Apostle Paul right up front. It tells us that. And this is one of those letters in the New Testament where no one really doubts that Paul actually wrote it. So where there are some scholars that doubt that Paul wrote, say, you know, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, and we'll get to those at some point here on the commentary, this letter of Romans is undisputed. It is one of the letters that becomes the baseline for Paul's letters across the board. And so Paul wrote this letter, and he wrote it to the church in the city of Rome. And he, uh, when he writes this, Rome is obviously the capital of the the Roman Empire. It is a major city. Uh, the population of the city of Rome in the first century is right around a million people. And that likely does not include all the people living there. That's just the citizens that live there. It doesn't include some of the slaves. Some of the foreigners maybe move there. So there is a good number of people packed into the city of Rome. It is a large and populous city. The, as the capital of the empire, it is an influential city. It uh, exerted massive influence over a large area of the Mediterranean world as the capital of the empire. And it was also a melting pot city in the first century with great ethnic diversity, including a large Jewish community. In fact, uh, one author, Juvenal, this is his name, writing, writes this, and I will explain what he says because it won't make sense unless we know what he's referring to, but he said this, Long ago, the Orontes has overflowed into the Tiber. What's the Orontes and what's the Tiber? Well, the Tiber is the Tiber River that flows through and, uh, the city of Rome. The Orontes is a major uh, river on the eastern side of the empire that really flows, say, in Antioch or in modern-day Syria. And what Juvenal is saying is, there, there are a large number of people from the Eastern Empire who have now flowed into the city of Rome. And so there's this mixture of uh, Latin folks, Roman folks, with people from further off towards the Middle East that have moved into Rome. And so the city has this large standing ethnic diversity and a large Jewish community. In fact, it's estimated that there are about 40,000 Jews living in the city of Rome in the first century. Pretty large Jewish community. Uh, evidence shows, however, there tended to be racial tension in the city, but with all this diversity, um, it seems like there was some hostility, some tension, some difficulty. Most people kind of lived in their own quarter of the city, and so like the Jewish community had its own sector of the, the city, and there tended to be, uh, even though they were an influential segment of the, the population, there tended to be some disdain towards them from the Roman elite, the Roman leaders, and the powerful Roman members of the city. So Paul writes this letter to a church in this large, populous, diverse city with a large um, large group of Jewish members in the city and a large group of people from the Eastern Empire, a large group of obviously traditional European Romans, and so a large, influential, diverse city. And one of the things that's really challenging in church history is to, to try to figure out exactly when and how did the gospel show up in the city of Rome. And we don't know for sure, but it, it's obvious that Christianity first emerged in the city of Rome with 
without any apostle or any apostolic influence. Probably, we had to make a good guess, probably it began shortly after the very beginning of the church. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the church began right around the year 30 A.D., on the day of Pentecost. You can read the story in Acts chapter 2, but as you read, there are a large, uh, there's a large number of people in the city of Jerusalem from all over the empire for the feast. And some of them that are listed there are from Rome. Well, there's a large kind of conversion experience that happens on the day of Pentecost, and there's a good chance that some of those people were from the city of Rome, and they traveled back to Rome after being in Jerusalem for the feast, and they took with them their newfound faith in Jesus as Messiah. And it seems like it kind of grew from there, so much so, even if it grew predominantly along Jewish lines, we're not totally sure, but it seems like there was a pretty large and influential uh, church or Christian following in the city from fairly early on because they created enough of a disturbance in the late 40s that the emperor Claudius expelled at least all the Jewish Christians, maybe a good number of the Jews, out of the city. That's mentioned in Acts 18.2. We know about it also from secular history, where uh, in Acts 18 it talks about Priscilla and Aquila, two Christians who now are living in Corinth because they were kicked out of uh, Rome because of a disturbance um, that uh, led Claudius to move them out. And we know from secular history that disturbance was around a man named Crestus, which is a kind of a Latin corruption of the word Christos, hence Christ. And so probably what had happened was there was some tension in the synagogues between followers of Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, and non-believing Jews and there was tension there. It led to some disunity and some disharmony and some, uh, at least enough of a disturbance of the peace in the city that Claudius was like, nope, not happening in my city, and expels all of those Jewish Christians, at least, out of the city or a good number of the Jews. In fact, one commentator, Gordon Fee, says there must, have, there must be at least a sizable minority to attract the attention of the emperor, right? And so there's enough Jewish Christians that are creating enough critical mass, and enough tension with their non-Messianic uh, Jewish brethren that they get the attention of the empire and they're expelled out of the city. And so we don't know exactly how and when the church came to the city of Rome, but it came very early on. It came before an apostle ever visited the city. Um, and Paul wants to visit the city as part of his missionary endeavors to help really establish them in the apostolic teaching, to make sure they're rooted in the apostolic church before he then continues his missionary plan to the West. We learn that later in the letter, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. So with that by way of setup, what really is the situation that leads to the writing of this letter? Well, Paul wrote this letter on what we call his third missionary journey, and he's in the city of Corinth when he writes it. 
it's likely that he's there for the winter. You can see that note in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, Acts 21 through 3. Paul spends the winter in the city of Corinth when sailing was shut down on the Mediterranean because the weather was bad. And so he's wintering in Corinth. He's got a little time on his hands. He's preparing to visit Jerusalem. And then from there, his desire is to head to the west and extend his missionary work uh, to the western part of the Roman Empire. He feels like he's done a solid work in the Eastern Empire, so he wants to visit Rome and then use the city of Rome as a launching pad for his ministry to the west. And as part of that, then, he wants to write this letter. So here he is in the city of Corinth in the winter of probably maybe mid to late 50s. Some scholars would put it 55 to 56, the winter there. Some scholars would put it more like 57 to 58. And so it's that mid to late 50s, Paul is spending the winter in the city of Corinth, and he's preparing to move his missionary work to the West. And so as part of that, he writes this letter to the church at Rome, really to introduce himself, to begin the formal process of grounding them in his gospel and in the teaching. And as a result of that, this in a lot of ways is the most systematic presentation of Paul's teaching and Paul's message. But just because it's fairly systematic, more so than some of his other letters, don't miss the fact that it's still situational, it's still occasional. He's still writing to real people living in a real city um, that are members of a real church, really a group of churches. And he is not just giving a bare theological treatise, he is speaking his gospel in a way to address their needs and their situation. Well, what is their situation? Well, what we, we can tell is that there is some disunity and some fragmentation in the churches in the city of Rome. Notice that I said churches, not church. Uh, Paul doesn't speak of the church in Rome in the singular. And that's because when you read the all the greetings at the end of the letter, beginning in chapter 15 through chapter 16, it becomes pretty clear that there are several different house churches in the city of Rome, and those house churches aren't meeting together. There's some tension between them. There's a little bit of disunity and disharmony between them. And that's one of the things that motivates the writing of this letter. In addition to wanting to introduce his ministry, prepare them to be a launching pad for his mission work, He's wanting to address some of this disunity and fragmentation in the church at Rome. Um, like the synagogues in the city of Rome, it appears that there really was no central structure that held these churches together. Well, that was the way it was in the synagogues, and it seems that the same thing had happened in the uh, church at Rome, that, that they kind of grew up independent. Not only that, you have that expulsion of the Jewish Christians in the city of Rome in the late 40s, well, shortly thereafter, the church begins to expand to the Gentiles. And so now you have Gentile Christians in the city, devoid of Jewish Christians in the city. And as the Jewish Christians then begin to return home after Claudius dies and there's a new emperor and it seems safe to return back to Rome, as the Jewish Christians return, they start meeting again in their groups. And so now you have Gentile groups, you have Jewish groups, and these groups aren't really getting along. And so it becomes quite obvious as you read through the letter of Romans that there is a fairly large Gentile component in the church, and that Gentile component tends to look down on the Jews, that there's also a Jewish component. And Paul explains his gospel and his teaching 
in such a way as to try to bring those groups together. Um, he certainly believed there was a need for harmony between the Jewish and Gentile Christians there. And so as you read the letter, you'll see him emphasizing that there's no room for boasting in a superiority complex. You'll uh, see him in chapters 9, 10, and 11 explaining really what's the place of the Jews and what's God, God's plan for the Jews. And then you'll see in a very central moment, really at the culmination of the letter, that Paul says this, he says in Romans 15, verses 5 and 6, Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards one another in Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's really the culmination of the letter. That's the ultimate appeal. That's what Paul wants, is that with one mind and one voice they may glorify God together. And so Paul is writing to help these churches begin to worship God together, to begin to work in sync together, to begin to love one another, respect one another, and welcome one another in Christ just as Jesus welcomed them. So let's pull all this together. What Paul is doing, he's wintering in Corinth. He's preparing to head west on his missionary uh, travels. He wants to use this, the church at Rome as a base of operations for his missionary trips to the West. But to do so, he wants those churches to be more firmly established in the apostolic teaching and more united together as a church. And so he writes Romans to that end, to establish the church at Rome in the apostolic gospel, to unite the church more closely together so that they're more cooperative and working together, and to prepare them to be a, a launching pad for his ministry to the West and on to Spain. And apparently... One other interesting detail as we wrap up this little section on the backstory, it's this, is that there's Paul in Corinth. Well, the harbor town for the city of Corinth is a town called Sincrea. And uh, there's a Christian lady from Sincrea. Her name is Phoebe. She's mentioned in Romans 16, 1 and 2. She's apparently planning on traveling to Rome on some matter, some business venture, maybe visiting family, not totally sure, but she's already planning an upcoming trip to Rome. And so Paul figures, ah, perfect. You can be the, the uh, delivery person for the letter. And so Paul is going to dictate this letter, pin this letter to the city of Rome, hand it to Phoebe. And when travel is safe on the Mediterranean, Phoebe's heading west to Rome anyhow. And so she's going to deliver this letter there to the church at Rome. And so this letter then serves to to really facilitate his introduction to the church and his plan on visiting them. Now, if we're being honest, Paul's plans don't work out. If you've read the book of Acts, you know what happens. That Paul, before he ever gets to make this trip to Rome, he gets arrested in Jerusalem. Uh, he then sits in, in uh, Caesarea as a prisoner for two years. Finally, he appeals to Caesar because as a Roman citizen, he could do that. And then finally, since he appealed to Caesar, he's shipped off to Rome as a prisoner of the state. Um, and he's, that happens like two years, maybe two and a half years after he writes this letter. And so he never quite makes the trip that he wants. And, and yet he still ends up in Rome. He just ends up there very differently. Nevertheless, his letter to the church there served to introduce him, introduce his ministry, although they were somewhat familiar with it, introduce his teaching and his gospel to them, 
and to really establish them in that teaching in such a way that hopefully by the time he arrives, that church is more unified, more harmonious, working together, welcoming each other in spite of their differences, and learning to glorify God with one voice together, because that is what Paul really wants the church at Rome to learn. And that is at the heart of the very message of this profound and deep letter to the Romans.